So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start off by saying thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homies Jacob, Ezra, and Justin. Thanks so much for coming on, and hopefully we can all get together down the road again and have you guys back on there. So now for episode 23 of Easy Conversations, I'm extremely excited to, first of all, bring back now a recurring guest, the homie Bassam Issa. Say what's up to the people. What up, guys? It's Bassam. So you'll remember Bassam from episode 12, MCU Later, also featuring D.I.G., shout out Diggy. And if you'll recall in that episode, he did mention that, like myself, kind of piggybacked off my idea starting a podcast, not a big deal anyways, that he also runs his own podcast in his free time with two other guys. So then there was talks of eventually doing a crossover. And today is that day. So I'm extremely excited to introduce to the podcast the new homies, Haas and Mike. Hey, how's it going, guys? People. It's Haas. Hey, everyone. It's Mike. So their podcast is called Tales from the 96 Camry. We'll have their links up in the description afterwards. So now for episode 23, we'll all be discussing, I think it's fair to say, one of our favorite, if not favorite, movie directors. I don't want to speak for all you guys, but for me, I would say he definitely is because I've seen all his movies. We're going to be discussing Quentin Tarantino and his filmography. All right. So I want to start off by asking you guys, Haas, we'll go with you first here. When did you get introduced to Tarantino, and do you remember what the first movie you saw by I think, him? Um, I think it was just purely by chance. I wasn't super into him until about uh, uh, university, so first year, but I think the first movie I watched, purely by chance, just because somebody told me it was great, didn't even hear the name Tarantino before, it was just Pulp Fiction. Watched it the beginning and end, I loved it, didn't really get it the first time, but I really enjoyed like the style of it. And uh, Samuel Jackson's character and like his monologues and just the way the characters spoke to each other. And that's how I got my introduction to Tarantino. And after that, it was just, just watch them all. Yeah. yeah. So was it right away after you just kept watching his movies? Like it made you want to watch all of his other movies uh, or some of them? I didn't, I didn't connect the name Tarantino right away. Okay. So I think it was after I watched Inglorious Bastards that I was like, okay, I need to go back and watch everything this guy's done. Mm-hmm. But uh, Pulp Fiction was my introduction classic mike yeah uh, i can't remember exactly the age i think it was around 12 or 13 and it was probably okay. uh yeah, it's gone. it was either pulp fiction <laughs> or kill bill because i saw kill bill quite young and then like uh my interest in him kind of more exploded when django came out yeah. uh i feel like it was sometime in high school and it was really popular around the high school and everyone was like oh you gotta watch this and now you gotta watch this and reservoir dogs that was one of the ones and then eventually i got more into movies as i got older and I eventually watched all of them up till now. Okay. <laughs> Last one I watched was Jackie Brown. Okay, right on. So 12, 13, did you see any of these movies in theaters like before? Oh, no. Django? No, no. no. Okay. Uh, Django was, I think, the first one in theaters. Yeah, yeah 2012. So yeah. you saw it in theaters? Yeah. Oh, okay. I did. I saw it with my dad, and uh, <laughs> he just exploded in laughter at the end when uh, everyone just starts blowing up when the big shootout in the house. Yeah. Uh, that was, it was a really good time. Boss. Man, for me, it's it's really similar to, to Haas's experience with not connecting Tarantino to the movie. But my first one was uh, Django Unchained. I saw that in theaters. Mm. And I still didn't realize, oh, Tarantino had more of these kind of films until I watched Hateful Eight, which is a lot after 
Like what came after Django, wasn't no, it? Was, it was Hateful Eight right away. It was Jay, right away, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So then I watched Hateful Eight in theaters. Still didn't really realize, all right, there's this one guy named Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, for me, you guys really started me on that kind of whole binge. Yeah. Haas and Mike. Uh, and I'm going to give credit back. to Mike here. Hmm? I'm going to give more credit, yeah, to, credit Mike to Mike here. Hans was on it since he was 12. Yeah. But I kind of watched his earlier ones like last. Mm. All his newer ones I watched first, and then I got back and watched Pulp Fiction. I watched actually uh, Reservoir Dogs before Pulp Fiction. Mm. Loved that. Watched Pulp Fiction. Um, I still haven't seen Jackie Brown or Death Proof, but I don't know if I'm even going to watch Death Proof because all you guys are <laughs> shit talking. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, ever since then, uh, I've, loved, I've loved the way he directs and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, you know? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty similar to both you and Haas. I mean, it was first year uni too, actually. I just went out to the mall, bought Pulp Fiction. And um, yeah, I had no idea what it was about. I just heard that it's like a classic movie right. and like, gotta watch it. And I wasn't that into movies yet either. Like, I feel like that's something you get into when you're a little older. Like, first year uni probably should have been into movies or whatever. It took a while. But yeah, no, once I saw Pulp Fiction, maybe want to see, like, I actually bought Django and Inglorious as well. I knew it was Quentin, actually, so <laughs> a little bit ahead of you guys on that one. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't love them, and they're so different, too, Pulp Fiction and Django and Glorious Bastards, especially. Uh, you can see the difference in his work as he uh, matured as a film director, I guess. But, yeah, no, Pulp Fiction uh, definitely blew my mind is how he tells his stories, and that's one of his, like, classic director and writer's traits that's so out of the ordinary and... You kind of revolutionize how they portray stories and dialogue in film, I think. Pulp Fiction is definitely the first movie anyone thinks of when you think Quentin Tarantino. It's not for me. See, so see that's the thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, go. yeah okay. you first. You first. Um, you go. Go. <laughs> I would. I love Tarantino, but I would say I'm like the least Tarantino fan out of the four of us here. Um, Pulp Fiction was one of those things that everyone said, oh, you got to go back and watch Pulp Fiction. Um it was just in a category of great movies for me that people are like, you have to watch Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, Shawshank all this stuff. Yeah. I, again, I never connected it to Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Right. I watched that super late. I only watched it once. So I, I don't think I, I really grasped the, the pure beauty of it. <laughs> but I, I definitely have to watch it again because you guys are going off about it. Right. You've only seen it once, right? I've only seen it once. You guys, have you only seen it once as well? Or? I've seen it a few more times yeah. because there's just so much you have to catch every time you uh, watch it. Yeah. Like if you notice, you can kind of make about what the movie's actually about. Like every time John Travolta goes into a bathroom, his day's getting worse. Yeah. Eventually he <laughs> dies in a bathroom. So Damn, so it, would... there's like a lot yeah, you have to catch. Yeah, there's a lot catch. of symbolism in there as well. Yeah. I don't think one time watch falls under any Tarantino movie mm-hmm. really, but to fully understand everything he's put into his movies you have to see them at least twice 100 percent. no i agree with you i'm still a new fan you know it's, uh, it's gonna come with time but okay well on that topic though so how he constructs his movies there's a distinct style to his movies what would you say is your favorite if you choose one tarantinoism and when i say that i mean like the use of violence in his movies for example the comedy um long dragged out scenes heavy dialogue heavy scenes that's all I'm giving you for now. So, right. Haas, uh, you want to get the yeah, ball sure. rolling? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the way that he uses violence. I'm not sure if this is my favorite Tarantinoism, but whenever he does actually use violence, it's always this 
crazy buildup beforehand, right? He'll have like, he'll have the big monologue, he'll have that really intense back and forth speech between somebody, and then when the violence actually happens, it's like a symphony. It all happens at once. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just like one person gets shot or something, except for like Jackie Brown, where one person gets shot. Uh, oh, like one at a time. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we're talking Tarantino movies oh, yeah, here. Yeah. You were supposed to watch <laughs> yeah, that yeah. before you got You didn't do your homework. <laughs> but like when when Tarantino movies get violent, everything goes down all at once. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic time when you're in the theater or you're watching a movie and all of it's just happening. Like all the dominoes start falling right before you. It's a great time every time. Can I just add in here? Uh, it's when you're talking about this. I loved the new movie because I've seen all the other ones so much. I kind of forgot how tense some of the scenes actually were. Like, I know it's going to happen. And watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm not going to spoil it because it's still out well, there. Uh, I, I, see, I, uh, we do. I wanted to get into it later that we could yeah. spoil it. Okay. I'm expecting people to have seen it because it's yeah. going to drop in like two more weeks, right? So, well, either time. at any point, it made me really tense mm-hmm. on scenes that, in all intents and purposes, nothing even happened. And I forgot yeah. what that was like. Like, I haven't experienced that in a while. I know exactly what scene you're talking about. And I was on edge the whole time. Like, damn, I don't want this motherfucker to die. Like, you know, I was, <laughs> I was just with booth, man. man yeah, anyways. That's it. Yeah. But, no, I know what you're talking about. Me too. I missed that too. So, violence is what you'd say. Like, just the build up to it. and Or I'd how say. he, I don't know, writes his scenes including violence kind of thing. Like, the build yeah. up to it in the symphony. Yeah, yeah let's say that. <laughs> symphony. It's, yeah. it's, it's just uh, when he gets violent everything falls apart. Like, everything has this build-up. Like, a lot of Tarantino movies, they have, like, a plot, right? Not, like, a story, but, like, there's a plan with the characters, and then the plan goes wrong. Like, almost every single time, right? And when the plan goes wrong, and everybody gets desperate, it gets super violent. And, like, it all happens. Like, a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. It all of it, all of it goes down, all of it gets resolved in just pure violence. Like, in Glorious Bastards, the bar scene, of the playing, like, the forehead. Exactly, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Like, they're having a great time, and then they're, like... By the way, your plan sucks because he's got the pistol ready to right, fucking yeah. blast them, and then uh, and then the split second, everyone's dead. Yeah, everyone Great gets scene. smoked right there. Okay, no, good answer. Yeah, Mike. Uh, I I'll go with the more traditional one. It's probably the dialogue number one for me because he could take any character that you know they should be a bad person. You don't care about them, but then they start talking about cheeseburgers or something like really out there and makes them really human. And these just kind of, uh, they go on and they have this kind of rhythm to them that you don't see in any other movie. Not like, like, you know a Tarantino dialogue scene when you see one, right? Royale with cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Among <laughs> so many. Uh, that's kind of the thing I really love when I watch his movies. Like, it just makes it feel human, I guess. Mm-hmm. A lot of the characters. Uh, what else? I love the soundtracks. I think the soundtracks yeah, are amazing. soundtracks. I, I'm thrown in two. Sorry, guys. No, but it's fine. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, pick one of the ones you said there, but sometimes it's like, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I could just watch a movie and then go on Spotify and pop in the soundtrack Yo, later. Pulp Fiction soundtrack, unreal. Yeah, so good. And it, it's always a good time. I'm all about the Hateful Eight soundtrack. I've only seen that movie once, so I don't really remember. It's the got um, what's his name on it? Is he's it like he's Zimmer? he's a he's the big. Or is no. it Ernie? I'm gonna uh, Enrico. Like your interstellar music when they're all like on the stage coach. That's a great soundtrack. <laughs> also, interstellar. Yeah. Is it a? I, it's I the big western guy. I don't know his name. Right, I'm gonna butcher it. It's like Ernio something Morricone. I don't know. That's that Ernio Morricone or something like that. It's That's something just... really. He's the spaghetti western guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's my turn. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it would probably be what everyone else would pick: um, violence. And the way I saw his violence 
progress was backwards because I, I watched the newer ones before the older ones. So having watched like Django and Hateful Eight and then <clears throat> and Glorious Bastards and then going back and watching like uh, Kill Bill, like Kill Bill one, like samurai sword to the arm and the blood just squirts like <laughs> yeah. 50 feet in front, you know? So I, I kind of like seeing that. I don't know. It keeps you on your toes. Another thing I love about Tarantino is um, his kind of like Microsoft PowerPoint transitions between his <laughs> his scenes. It'll literally just cut scene, chapter two. Yeah. I, I don't know okay. why. I, I, I kind of like that. Like a school it, project. It, yeah. <laughs> it, it really makes it makes me feel like like I know what's going on, you know? Like, okay, right. This chapter's just done. Like, time to, <laughs> time to like reset my brain and, and watch this new scene right. type of thing, you know? Right. Um, and that's pretty much it for me. On that though, like the chapters, you don't really know what's coming though. You think it's resolved, but like in Pulp Fiction, now I just yeah, watched it. They're all interconnected. You just don't know how yet. Like the way mm. he tells his story, and that's probably the thing I like the most is how he tells his story. It's kind of inter- like intertwined with what you're yeah. saying. The chapters aspect to it is you know it's all gonna pay off at the end. You just don't really know how. And I don't think many directors, if any, can say that they have that ability to present that on screen it's like the um, all the different little chapters that all coincide together later i think it's good that you say that because um we knew that uh boss mike and i and you probably knew that too when you walked in to watch once upon a time in hollywood but we watched it with boss's cousin Mm -hmm. and uh who didn't really have a grasp on tarantino so he wasn't able to see like like we all knew he was going to bring it all together at some point Mm -hmm. right but he didn't he never really made that connection and so since he wasn't looking for that I think he like kind of missed. Up, like, what did I just watch? Yeah, and, like, like just the, the whole movie. The whole movie just on. fell apart. Yeah. That but, like, was twofold because he also didn't know about the historical the events. Right. Yeah, he didn't even involved. Yeah, that's right. So it, it really takes. You have to be kind of cultured to watch his movies. Oh, like, you can't yeah. just go in there. Uh, and I don't watch know. Are you gonna pull up the superiority? Like, no, it's not it's quite that. Superiority <laughs> thing. It's uh, it's just like you're you'd be cultured with different. I don't know, historical events, maybe have watched a few other of his movies to see how they are. You can't walk into a Tarantino movie for the first time and be like, that was shit. Because that's not fair. No. You know? He makes a lot of references to a bunch of things, like some pop culture references. But yeah. in the later one, la- latest movies, he's made a lot of like historical revisionist movies, is how people are describing them. Right. Like he took the Manson family and, um, and I'm blanking on her name there. Sharon Tate. Uh, Sharon Tate. Tate storyline and put a completely false mm. twist to it I right? love that. which boss told me about it's going into that like i should read up on that which i didn't really know much about the manson family which i'm glad you did tell me about it because i was expecting that much better. like by the end now we can get into the movie is that by the end i was expecting especially when they kept showing dates too i was expecting like okay it's around this time that she dies right yeah, yeah. and like no you didn't want to see that at all when she you see her that she's pregnant there I don't know, that would have been yeah. brutal to see. And like, uh, there, there's a lot of subtleties to this movie that I was thinking about after, and it's just kind of like really drives home this like once upon a time fantasy kind of story where like it really uh, is a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole thing because what's uh, I forget his name, the main character uh, Rick Dalton. Rick, Rick Dalton. Dalton, yeah, he's got, he's on the slumps of his career, and if it was real world, he would have just like you know been trashed. But then he he recovers. He's got the stunt man that's always by his side. It's, it's fairy tale all the way through, you know. And it's just a, it's a happy ending. It's like something that, what if, right? I thought the ending was kind of sad. 
Yeah. It's it, it is it's a like happy ending. Away and, you, and you didn't like like it? No, no, I liked it. I really liked the ending. But like you know that at the very very end, it shows Rick Dalton like walking up into their house. He's yeah. getting invited in after he just killed all the hippies. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. It's all they knew this going in. Yeah, um, but uh, it's sad because this is like Tarantino saying like here here's this happy ending that I've created. But we know what happens yeah. in real life. So That's when you true. see them sort of walking up, it's just like, it's it's really sad because Man. this isn't what happened. It's so, such a sensitive topic he took on. Even though it's yeah. like 50 years down the road, still, you're it's watching still. that. I agree. Yeah. You know that like this should have happened realistically. Like, she should have just been partying with her neighbor actor friend. But we all know it, what happened. It's such a sad story that... Yeah. Like, that's why the film is getting a bit of criticism. And, like, that's kind of his thing, too. He takes sensitive topics and puts a spin to it, knowing it's, it's going to be controversial, you know? Right. Which, that's why a lot of people don't like Tarantino. I do say, though, like, I think of this one, he handled it a lot more gracefully than I thought he was. I thought it was going to be, like, uh, they were going to go in Sharon Tate's house, and it was going to be a gung-ho kind of, like, mm. event. And then it just, he removed it entirely. But that really, like, kind of made it amazing i think i don't know yeah i feel like if he had sharon take like kung fu kicking and shit like that may not have been like i wouldn't have liked that at all. i don't Pesos think he would have yeah i don't think i would have really sat well with anybody no but uh definitely the way he handled uh, once upon a time in hollywood it it definitely wasn't disrespectful there's no way it was no. disrespectful right I don't think so. but there's always going to be people like criticizing well, it and saying it's disrespectful for whatever yeah but they reason. also uh oh sorry cutting you off boss polanski was involved in this too right so it's not like they didn't consult him, you know? Um, actually, one thing I did read up on, uh, Bruce Lee's daughter criticized the shit out of the movie because <laughs> she felt that they kind of, like, ruined her dad's legacy because he gets his ass he kicked. He gets by, punked by the man. By yeah. Cliff <laughs> <laughs> like, that was so funny. I was dying. <laughs> I didn't know how I was supposed to feel in that scene because I want to believe that Bruce Lee is invincible. Yeah. But it was in that moment that I simultaneously hated Cliff <laughs> oh, Booth oh, and loved Cliff oh, Booth at the okay. same time. Because he just threw Bruce Lee into a car. <laughs> nah, <laughs> like, you're going for Cliff Booth all the way. He's a legend. Yeah. <laughs> Cliff Booth. Cliff, I'm a biggest Cliff Booth fan. <laughs> I, I actually... You said it to me, and I thought a lot about it. I've been seeing a lot of things online. Like People just love this character, He's right? Great. Yeah, and so then good. I ended up... <laughs> trying to convince my one friend like the reason you have to see this movie is because the best character ever <laughs> yeah and and you know what else i liked about that whole bruce lee scene tarantino really made you realize how much of a hollywood kind of guy bruce lee was you know he wasn't like yeah he was a dope kung fu what what did he do kung fu some sort of martial artist but it was very like business oriented with him right mm. Like he was training actors and shit. Exactly. And, yeah. That's kind of what it made you... Because when you think of Bruce Lee, you think of this guy's like in a temple, like training, kicking ass or whatever. Right. You don't think of him as this like... Superstar. Hollywood superstar. Which which is what he was. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It really it really put that to Yeah, it really does twist it up. Because when you see him like enter the dragon and he's very like peaceful, he's very zen. And then when he comes to kick ass, like he goes and he does it. But when they actually show him in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's superstar all the way through... He's really like about himself, and then uh, he gets thrown into a car. Yeah, the guy who played him, I forgot his first name. His last name is Mo. I think it's Mike Mo, something Mo. Okay. Um, even he, after he's like, I, I was really hesitant to take this role because it's such a like. Y- you either destroy it or you 
you kill it, right? It's Bruce Lee. Right. And this guy's like a legend. Uh, and even after when Bruce Lee's daughter started criticizing him and he started to regret it a bit on, on like accepting the role and how it played out. Right. Uh, which I think is kind of a cop out, but it is what it is. I think it was more like poking fun at like a historical dude rather than like actually making fun of him. Well, yeah, you know? that too. That's what I thought too. Mm. I, I thought I think it's kind of like over the top. You're like, well, they ruined his lazy because no one's saying that. No, like, I, I Bruce Lee is still like the yeah, legend, right, right. dude. Right. It it wasn't to what I thought was it wasn't to disrespect Bruce Lee, but rather to make Cliff look like a badass. Yeah, he's the guy that threw Bruce Lee into a car. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, you could think of it that way, hundred percent. Yeah, but that's not how Bruce Lee's daughter saw it. No, no. I mean, it's also like Tarantino's movies are funny too. You can't be going mm. into them taking it too serious. Like you know, he's gonna, like I said, take on sensitive topics. But like with uh, Inglorious Bastards, or like all the Nazi stuff, and yeah. or even like in Django, Mendingo fighting, like anyways, there's stuff like that. Like, right, those yeah, scenes no, are. Oh yeah, my yeah. god. It's 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 actually really true. This guy yeah. like takes on these touchy subjects. Really, yeah. And he but fucking makes he knows you... he's gonna get press for it though, yeah. and like people are gonna just write up very negative reviews on his work, and then people are gonna want to go see his stuff. Yeah. No matter what, like the stands will go no matter what. Yeah. And then the people who want to go just to hate on him will go because to reinforce their views on him. And then and the uh, negative views. And then other people that'll hear about all the stuff that he's doing, they'll just go to. Catch that shock value. Yeah. Like, look at him. Look at him. He has a one dude hitting another dude with a hammer at the end of the Mandingo fight. Yeah. Like, damn. Yeah. It, it really makes me realize how many, like, gut-wrenching scenes Tarantino has. Like, ones where you just kind of want to turn your head. Or, mm-hmm. or the guy that's getting eaten by the dog. Django had a lot of brutal yeah, brutal scenes, man. Sure. Yeah. You know who doesn't really get as much recognition as I think he should for that role, though, is Jamie Foxx. Oh, he's a great actor. So yeah. good in that he's movie. So good. Yeah. Django is one of the GOAT characters, in my opinion. Actually, that could be the next uh, segment here is if you had to choose one character, we already know Boss's answer <laughs> well, here. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> favorite character in Tarantino's movies. Mm. Can I kick it off? Yeah, yeah I think you should kick it off. Reverse order. Here. Or actually, I'll start. I'll okay, go, go ahead. Just yeah, reverse yeah. order. Yeah. Me, I just said, I'll say Django. Because just the way that... In all of Tarantino's movies also, he incorporates cinema and the art of acting. Like, I just rewatched Reservoir Dogs yesterday. And when Mr. Orange has to pretend to go undercover, he's... And when he's talking to Joe like to get into the gang, he has to recite some... Um, fake story that happened to him and oh. that's how they he they he gains their trust and he always likes to put in some sort of acting like people make, taking on different personas which Django does as the Mandingo slip buyer right so he plays that persona when he goes into Candyland and then he becomes this bounty hunter also like starts from the bottom the movie starts he's in chains I don't know just his ascension and man was unchained exactly yeah <laughs> No, I just thought he was a super badass character too. There's a bunch. Oh, hundred percent is man, Django, and um, Django. oh, that he was cool. Yeah, he was just yeah. like he was smooth. He was cool about it. That one scene after he blows up the house and he's like with the glasses mm-hmm. and the cigar and he just grabs that his rock too. Just yeah, yeah. yeah. a little trot in front of his wife. It's just like okay, Django's I, a gold. badass. I loved all the scenes when he was on the horse, uh, just like riding past like other uh, slaves, mm-hmm. and they're all kind of like looking at him like. You fucking sellout type of thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, but he's like this carrying this persona that he's like 
this top dog, you know? Yeah. And he, he carried it super well. Which he did end up becoming at the end. Yeah, 100%. Hmm. No, he was definitely, I'd say, my favorite. Shout out to Mr. Blonde, too. Great character. I've seen Reservoir Dogs like four or five times. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I absolutely hated his character. Hmm. Michael Madsen, no great actor. But I just didn't like him. I thought he was a free, like a psychopath. But then you can appreciate him as you see the movie a few more times. I thought he was gold in that movie. Yeah, Mr. Blonde, Cliff Booth, honorable mention also. <laughs> We'd have to see it a few more times. Uh, I would give him number one there. But uh, let's hear it though. <laughs> Again, I think I'm going to go with Cliff Booth because this movie's so fresh in my mind. Um, That's a bad reason. It, it's, That's a- it's not a bad reason because I can't think of any other Tarantino character that will like take that spot for me right, right now um even if i went back and watched all the rest of them he's just such a fucking the this like ambiguous suave kind of guy you know he's like suave though <laughs> suave. suave he's very he's very rough around the edges mysterious he's like, definitely mysterious he's kind of suave I don't know when he's driving around in the, in the car. With the cool, like, yeah, yeah, with the girl, like, he, and he's he always was, looking. He's got that edge of dangerous cool. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, dangerous. I don't know about suave though. All right, I'm using the word wrong. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but I loved how ambiguous he was. He he didn't really have a clear plot line like the rest of the characters did. Like Rick Dalton's character, you knew he was this big time actor before, and now he's kind of in a slump, and he's coming back up. Um, You're very- Cliff Booth was very like mysterious in the sense that you don't really know what's happening next you know like you don't know what he wants what he wants exactly like Mm. and i felt like he was always in thought and like he was you'd sense that he's kind of getting annoyed of rick's character sometimes but like he's such like a loyal dude that he's sticking with him to the end um like he went and like fixed his satellite or whatever and um he's also like a war hero sick you can clearly (laughs) see that he's a sick fighter he just kicked the Bruce Lee's ass, <laughs> and he's also a smart character because when he went to the Manson uh, family ranch or whatever, he was like he knew that the old man was still there. You know, he like kind of weaseled his way in to see what was up, want to make sure he was okay. He that entire scene, I thought he was just like, okay, these hippies definitely killed him. That's what that's what I thought he was thinking. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, but yes, you could see that they want. <laughs> it, yeah. you were very on edge, but you could yeah. see that he's very um, not carefree, but. Uh, he's carefree but he doesn't back down you know Mm. a little reckless in that situation though i thought for sure he was gonna die also one of my favorite scenes that you guys didn't bring up with him is when uh that that hippie guy that was a sick scene but when that hippie guy slashed his tire and he made him change yeah yeah, Yeah. that's a great sick scene um i don't know but and then the end when he's like Taking that acid cigarette and then that <laughs> entire <laughs> sequence at the end where he's sequence, like dude. bashing the chick's face in the... Dude, <laughs> the whole theater was crying of laughing at that scene. I was, was shocked initially and then I burst out laughing. <laughs> but the girl beside me, I was just some stranger, she wasn't. And I was like, she thinks I'm a maniac, like 100%. <laughs> uh, but yet, I, I honestly just think he's like the most badass character. Dude, yeah, that last that sequence? could have been created. Really? You know what? Yeah, no man, he's so okay. sick. Listen, yeah, his, watch his whole violence orgy at the end is really like because he's beating up the people that killed Sharon Tate, right? Yeah. That's where it be- goes into the fantasy. I feel like Tarantino's just like, oh, the fans are gonna fucking love this, right? We're gonna have this guy who's fake. He's just gonna beat the crap out of these murderers, and then he does it in the most hilarious fashion. Like when he was doing all the things, and he threw the dog food at the one girl, mm-hmm. he sicked the dog in the other one. He was 
bashed in the face the other one, my jaw was just dropped yeah. the entire time. Because the entire movie wasn't really violent. No, that was the only violent scene, really, other than the Bruce Lee yeah. scene also. Until that, so my mouth was just Oh, my same dropped. Here. Mine was yeah. dropped. And I was reason. laughing at the same time. I was waiting for it, too. And then it just kicked up to the Tarantino levels you expect and beyond. And it just <laughs> blew me away. Like, I was thinking about it for so long after that. It's so over the top, too. He, Rick Dalton goes and grabs a flamethrower <laughs> that, like, was mentioned earlier. So it didn't come out of nowhere. No. And that's what, like, it was, like, simultaneously hilarious. Because that's what Tarantino does, right? Like, he, uh, he makes the violence kind of funny. A lot of the time. Yeah, yeah most of the it's time. Like, it's yeah. so over the top that it's hilarious. Like and the scene in Inglorious Bastards where they're all killing like, Hitler, Hitler. basically in his booth. <laughs> yeah, and they're just, just shooting at him when he's shooting at him. <laughs> and they still have the dynamite strapped <laughs> to their legs. They're like, they got what they came for. Wait, wait, they no. still have Actually, can I, can I bring up one thing? Because I forgot to mention this with the Tarantinoism. Yeah. yeah. Um, his uh, Easter eggs. Because I mentioned this to you, Eric. You yeah, didn't. You didn't see them. In, Slipped up. Yeah, he missed them in Once Upon a Time. Yeah. The Easter eggs from Inglorious Bastards. All the, the new Antonio Margheriti. Yeah. Um, was like a, this famous actor in Italy where where Rick Dalton was. Mm. Uh, me and you looked at each other. We're like, oh damn. And also um, when he uh, Cliff Booth's in Italy and the the I think he got out of a taxi or something. Got out of a taxi and he's he goes. Grazie. Yeah, <laughs> Did you see that? It's yeah. just like these yeah. dope scenes where you're like, yeah. oh my god, it just connects everything. And even the the blue car, the rundown Ooh. car that Cliff owns, that was in Kill Bill Two. When yeah, she yeah, definitely looked that up. Though. I swear, to, no, you know why? You know why? Because I watched Kill Bill Two last okay, week. Okay, okay. So I watched them so close to each other, and oh. I realized I'm like, yo, the car she she ends up driving to um, uh, Bill? Bill's house, Bill's house. Yeah. is the same car from. Yeah. Once upon a time. I'm sure there are more too. To oh, there's honest. probably oh, tons. Because uh, there was just a lot of information in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, there was so much words, logos, things just mm. in the background that you weren't really paying attention to because you're, like, focusing on Sharon Tate walking or something like that. And mm-hmm. I bet you there's, like, hundreds of references. What are you saying? Though? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things, though. It's like, it just came out, so none of us really had another chance to see it yet. We'll have went. to see it again. Like, unless you yeah, went and watched yeah. it twice in theaters. Anyway, I guess your favorite character, Mike? Cliff Booth, solid. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna... <laughs> Maybe it's just the influence, because it was like the first one I saw, but I gotta give it to the bride. I, uh, okay. I love Kill Bill, and her grind through that entire miserable experience is pretty awesome, especially when she just kind of like actually does Kill Bill, you know? Uh, Did you see that coming, by the way? The I forget what it's called. The, the five the points. Five, the five, yeah. yeah. I, I figured as much, I think. Points heart, of death or something. Heart, exploding like, heart exploding technique heart or something technique. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way that, like, yeah, she does everything the other characters can't. Like, she masters Pai Mei's special technique, right? She doesn't bitch out. She doesn't rip out his eye. Or the other way around. Doesn't get her eye ripped out, but being, like, uh, you know, annoying. Like, right. <laughs> like uh, El Driver, the other character, her foe. Uh, I just love that movie, man. I love everything that she has to go through to eventually get her revenge, which is pretty justified by the end of it, even though she did kill a bunch of people, you know? Yeah. she She's great, but... And this might be a good thing. Her character doesn't go through, like, an arc. Like, like she, her character doesn't change throughout the movie. She has one goal, and she goes and does it over the course of two movies. But that's also... Which is, which is good. Yeah. Well, it is I one... Think- one big thing they do bring up, though, is her inability to, you know, change and stop being a murderer, too, right? Because, like, that was kill, uh, Bill's whole thing. Like, well, 
you're going to raise a kid and still be a killer because you're a killer, right? Right. And you got to have that kind of hopeful ending. But, man, like, the whole ride is just great. And to watch this character get that, I loved it, man. Definitely, uh, there's a lot of other characters, too, but... Like if I had like number two, three, four, five, they'd probably all go to Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Which one would it be though? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's Django and Chain character. No, no, not number one Samuel L. Jackson. I'd go with Jules <laughs> for Jules. sure. Jules. From Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp Fiction. His I really, Blake uh, character was hilarious. Though. I really liked Ordell and and Jackie Brown, which you still got to watch. Yeah, I got to yeah, watch that. He was also hilarious in that movie. Yeah. No matter what, he's always hilarious. He's always funny. He's always good. Yeah. In um, one of the ghost roles. Yeah, definitely. Um, guess I'll go. Yeah. All right. I like um. Also, Django character. I like uh, King Schultz. Oh Christoph yeah. Waltz Great character. character. So good. He um he's smooth, right? And he kind of teaches Django everything that he knows. And uh, the reason why I think he's great is like he isn't as strong as Django is. So when it comes to like going undercover. Uh, Django, he can see all the suffering and shit, right? But it, it hurts Schultz, and he can't keep up his persona. And that's what sells everyone out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Django, he's cool about it the entire time. So Schultz, he teaches Django, and he tries to show him all these ways, like how to shoot or whatever. Um, and he's he's very, like, um, the word for virtuous. He's virtuous, right? <laughs> <laughs> the word for virtuous. He's virtuous. That's it. Uh, so even when he's playing the character, he can't break that image of like who he is. And so when it comes time to signing with Candy, he's just like, fuck this guy. Yeah. Bam. Great he shoots scene. him. Excellent scene. And that's why I like King Schultz. Cause like, he's not as strong as Django, but he still has all that. He has that character. He's that heart. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy for sure. No, that's another scene where you know it's building up to something and then it all leads up to you just can't take any more. Mm. See ya. Great way to go for him. And then the violence just explodes. Yeah, right there. there. Great scene. Are you going to say something? Uh, yeah. Waltz himself, I actually loved him in Django, but he was also great in Inglourious Bastards. He was amazing. Amazing. Glorious. Yeah. And I think Tarantino does this for a lot of these actors. Is He, he really... Puts them in all his films. And you don't even realize they're all in there. Mm-hmm. But they're all great in their own way. And it makes you appreciate their acting ability so much. Because they can play these like completely different roles. But like completely sell you on it. You know what I mean? I think that's a... Te- I was literally just going to say that. That's a testament to Tarantino brings out the best of each of these actors. Who myself, I've never seen Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Christoph Waltz. I've seen him in a few other movies. Or a few of these other guys too. I haven't seen them in anything else and I've seen Christoph Waltz in Tarzan, which I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. It was, came yeah. out a couple of years ago. Nah. Not as good. And it's just Tarantino writes these movies specifically for these actors where the other directors just don't allow these actors to really fulfill their potential, which I think Tarantino does. It's another thing that makes him an amazing director. He, yeah, he's really gotten to know these these uh, actors. Well, who's the... Isn't Samuel Jackson like the most recurring in like... I think so. He's of also all, of all of his characters, of all actors, all time. Really? And, yeah. Yeah. He is, he is the actor who's been in the most Tarantino really? movies. Well, in, in and, any case, um, of all movies. Yes. Whoa. He's in like six movies a year. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. All right. Well, in any case, though, like you go and watch any of these movies, and none of his characters feel alike. He acts them all so differently, mm-hmm. and they're all just so unique to the story. It's it's kind of incredible. He doesn't take anything back. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Jules is nothing like his hateful eight character. Or, actually, his hateful character is nothing like his Django Unchained character. It's the same setting, 
completely different. I loved his Django character because I hated him. Yeah, yeah. He, he was yeah. super good for he, sure. He, every scene in that movie, I was like, "Fuck this guy." <laughs> to do that, yeah, you no, you have to be a great actor. That's why he Joffrey was Baratheon. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Though, that's and why he was the last kill in Django. Yeah, because yeah. you hated Leonardo DiCaprio's character or whatever, but. He's the true villain. He he, really he was the one that's like just evil to his core, right? He just like hated everything. Saw Same through Jack. everything. Too he cool. saw through everything. He's the one that ruined the plan. Yeah. He's the one that had everything crumble, made everything violent. So he's the last guy that has to die, and he dies in an incredible fashion too. Uh, another honorable mention to characters that you hate uh, was the girl from Hateful Eight, the criminal. Oh my I forgot her name. Forgot she won an character. Oscar for that. She won what? an Oscar this? for that? Yes. I believe it, man. She was what? despicable. Yeah. Damn, I gotta see that movie again. She's just a grimy character. She, she so... really sold it. Yeah. You're just like, ah, oh, she's, she's so trashy. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, she won an... I'm, I'm pretty sure she won an Oscar for that. It's all the love to hate kind of thing, you know? Mm. Yeah. And if you're just bad at it, then you just end up hating too much, you know? <laughs> her her you, name was weird in the movie, too. Even like Christoph Waltz and Glorious Bastards, you love to hate him too. Yeah. Right? Played it really well. The Jew Hunter. Yeah, he was so uh, like dastardly, right? A classic villain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess now we've been going back and forth between all his movies there. If you had to list the top three of each of Tarantino's movies, which one did you rank? We'll go one at a time. Three, two, one. You can kick it off, yeah. I'll kick it off. All right. Um, Top three, like number one first? No, three first. Oh, three okay. First. Yeah. You said three, two, one. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's going to be Kill Bill uh, as number three. You're counting Which one, one and two together though, right? That's yeah, one and two. Oh, are you bundling say. it? Yeah, okay. yeah bundling. Kill Bill one and two. For it's, sure It's bundle. a complete complete movie. Yeah. Uh, picking that movie as my third, I'm picking... No, no, no. Just say number three. Give a quick explanation why. We'll just okay. go around with each each of us who are three. All right. And one. Uh, Kill Bill as my number three because I I just watched it actually a week or two ago, and uh, I relate to everything Mike said. Just her struggle from the beginning to the end. Um, also, there's a lot of characters in that movie I loved. I loved the gore in that movie. Michael Madsen I loved oh. in number two. He was oh, so was good. Great, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Bill himself, how he was like, and kind of narrating a bunch of shit at number one. You never really saw him, and then in number two, you kind of see what this guy looks like. Um, I loved. Uh, Pai May. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even when you brought up how he's always stroking his yeah, beard. So like, much. Uh, I loved uh, Go-Go. Oh, yeah. I loved and hated her. Yeah, um, hateable character for sure. Yeah. Uh, you knew she was going to be sick. Though, oh, yeah, 100%. She was sick with it. Yeah, um, yeah that's why I'm going to put number, put Kill Bill on number three. Uh, number two. For, no, 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 man. We'll oh, just, each of us what is happening Man, right like, now? listen, we're all saying we're our threes, all, oh, and then we're all going to say our two. two. Yeah, got it. Jeez, oh, so cool. It's all good, man. All right, Mike, you got number oh. three for us? Uh, we, can, we can skip you if you want. Just I'll, I'll just that. say it, because at this point, I think they're all pretty level enough. Uh, it's hard to choose, but I'll say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I actually... Hey, number three. It jumped Coming into in my hot. top three yeah. that fast, and that's why I'm putting it at number three, because I've only seen it once. But I didn't think I was going to like this movie to that extent, and it kind of blew me away. I loved everything about it, and I just... I, but I do feel like for me to put it at number one, i got to watch it again and kind of mm-hmm. digest it a little more, for you know? Sure. So we've talked a lot about this, so uh, I think... Can move on self-explanatory okay. yeah mm-hmm. executive decision we're moving on <laughs> uh my number three will probably be inglorious bastards 
Christ. Um, it's it's an excellent movie, like all the way through, and all the dialogue is incredible. But the reason I put it in my number three is the whole theater part of it, and that whole like the character that that like loves the girl that love that runs the theater. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't super into it. It didn't like pull me out of the movie, and I didn't hate it. But uh, it was definitely like the side plots that I didn't love. Like the other parts of the movie, incredible. Christoph Waltz, incredible. Brad Pitt, they're all great. The rest of the bastards, they're all fun to watch. And uh, all the the heavy monologues with the evil character just sort of like foiling plans. Um, Christoph Waltz is Hans uh, Hans Landa. Yeah, I think that's his yeah. name. Hans Hans something. Like his introduction was yeah, super intense. Wild. But it yeah. like gets you right into the movie. Like it's the first thing you see, yeah. and he's just like, oh shit, this guy is like lethal. He's smart, and like he's gonna be the big bad. He pulls out that pipe too. You know he means business. That's right. It's a monster pipe. Yo, but, yeah. you know, the part that killed me that like I was actually like whoa was when uh, he was calling the daughters to come back in the house, but then the soldiers yeah, come in, yeah. and I was just like. Whew. Yeah. This is heavy. And that just sort of carries that energy throughout the rest of the movie. Um and even his like fate was just great. Mm-hmm. Uh and it all just sort of ties back with Brad Pitt and the scarring. Swatsuka, yeah, yeah. yeah, he puts the swatsuka yeah. on the dudes that he lets escape yeah. on, on their foreheads. What do you call that? Scarring them, uh, making a mark. Branding, branding. Yeah, yeah, we'll say branding and branding works. Uh, and then it's just all like kind of poetic how it ends for it is, yeah. poetic Hans justice. That's what gives me the number three. Great right? explanation. Yeah. So maybe we've already talked about this movie quite a bit there, but I'm still gonna get into it a bit. So for me, number three would be Django. Love the house. Like I said, starts from the bottom, rises to the top, and just gets the girl at the end of the movie there. But all the struggles he had to get to through to get his girl again, and just seeing him become a gunslinger and like his evolution is a bit. Um, like, he progresses extremely quickly. Like he's already sick right off the rip there. But yeah. I just love the Django character, that setting too. And um yeah, Dr. King Schultz, great character as well. Um Leonardo DiCaprio, amazing performance to Samuel Jackson as well. Just think, yeah, excellent acting. And the whole time you're just rooting for this guy to just kill all these slave owners and um yeah, get his girl again. So number three for me, Django. That's good. Two. Hey, this uh, with a two. Number two for me is Django, for a lot of the same reasons uh, you said. I don't want to really get too repetitive here, um, but I, I kind of really like. Um, I, I don't know what you would call these kind of movies, like slave movies. That sounds. I, really I think it's sad. more of like an exploitation kind of movie. Is slave what you say? movies. Movies about like, like that are set. <laughs> like, I so know bad. what you're saying. Man. Yeah, that are set in that era and deal with that topic. Right? Oh, exactly. like you specifically yeah. that, or yeah. you mean like uh, like twelve like, years of slave? Twelve, 12 years oh, okay. of slave. Like, okay, so like okay. that setting with the with the slave settings, man. Right, right, right. I'm with you, bro. <laughs> Literally said it with the, <laughs> just a sensitive topic. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, again, Django, how we started off in chains. Yeah, straight in the title became unchained he's just sick ass like character he's acting like a slave owner himself right right and he sells you on it i love samuel jackson's performance of that leo is just great in everything he does um i've watched that so the thing is i've only watched tarantino movies for the majority of them once except django i've watched twice okay so i'm still a newbie with this but um that's why I put Django in my number two. When he kills Tarantino too at the end of the movie. Yeah, like, oh, yeah I love that. Tarantino playing an Australian. Like, His accent was so, so bad. Shit. 
Uh, but he's just like, I, be, I bet you he wasn't planning on making himself Australian. He's like saying the lines. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be Australian. Yeah. <laughs> the fans will love it, too. <laughs> the fans will love it. He can get away with that, too. Oh, yeah. I love his self-inserts, man. Do you know if he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, actually? I don't think so. Did you so. Look, look into it or no? Ooh. I don't know, but... He probably uh, was, in, like, doing a, some sort of voiceover or something, I think. I'm just guessing here, but... Um, Kurt Russell was doing the yeah. uh, narrator. In Once and he time. was in the movie, too. He was the... Oh, he was, yeah. He yeah. played the stunt guy. Yeah. The stunt director. The director, yeah. yeah. Off track slightly, if you consider this a Tarantino or not. Have you seen From Dust Till Dawn? No, but... That is an extended one of his acting, and uh, the foot stuff goes up to 100% in that movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know how much he was in the feet until a whole foot went in his mouth in that movie. <laughs> that's so, a whole whose mouth? Tarantino's, uh, Tarantino's yeah. mouth. He so that's an... your number two? No, no, no. Uh, God, no. <laughs> God, no. Big foot guy? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I've heard of that movie, though. He, yeah. Was he a pro- like, producer, writer? Uh, him and Rodriguez, and they go back and forth, and they okay. do... They were together in... Uh, you know, when they did Grindhouse with Death Proof and uh, yeah, yeah. the other one. We didn't even talk about Death Proof. <laughs> My number two, Death Proof. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, and, oh, honestly, it's, it's probably Pulp Fiction number two for me. Okay. When I think about it, uh, it's just a great movie all around. And I haven't seen it in like a year or two, but, you know, I love John Travolta in it. Harvey Keitel, he's another classic in Tarantino. Uh, the segments, the way it all ties together, the, all the little things you can pick up. And Bruce Willis, it's just, I love that movie a lot. So, uh, Samuel Jackson, number one, that's the other thing, too. Jules. Yeah. Walk the Earth and Marcellus Wallace is just a great movie. Christopher Walken. Yeah. Christopher. Pretty funny scene. <laughs> yeah, the pocket watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot he was in that I movie. I did, yeah. The one scene. Yeah. Uh, guess I'll go. My number two is probably going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm going to put that on my number two. Um, I thought the movie was excellent. I actually thought it was pretty much perfect. Uh, but it's gonna take the number two spot because I just love the number one movie. Well, we can get into the number one movie after. But like, everything about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just kind of it worked. I was super into it the entire time. Uh, it is slower. Mm-hmm. It's um, its pacing is definitely weird because like, they're you'll have like the two guys and they're chilling and. You want Rick Dalton to win, so you're like, he's practicing his lines, and then he's fumbling them, and then you want him to succeed, and then he does, so you get that satisfaction. And you want um, Cliff to succeed, too, but you don't know what the hell he wants, so yeah. he's just going around doing random stuff. But it's all enjoyable, because you're just following the characters. That's the whole movie. But there are a few slow parts, and then there's the big time skip, and then it all leads into this big, violent finish, which was incredible. And... and mm. The historical revisionism part was was done really well, but it was me. It was kind of like it was or... it was bittersweet, right? Because that's not what happened, right? We we said that before, and it's just like it's it's weird to like watch it in front of you, like all these characters are alive and they're having a great time, but like then you leave the theater and you're not walking away with that feeling. You're walking away like, Whew. yeah, what happened to that was brutal. I'm trying to remember, but like even though it's a like, you know, in quotations, happy ending. Doesn't some, like, dark music kind of play over the final shot? It's kind of and sad music at the why, end. Right, because yeah. just to remind us that, like, this isn't what happened kind yeah. of thing. And yeah, no, I agree. I'd have to see Once Upon a Time Hollywood more times to put it that high. Like, I loved it, too. And um, I, di- I do agree it was a slow 
kind of a slow pace of the movie, but I found it flew by though. And I didn't want it to end by the time it was done. It was like almost three hours long. And I yeah. was just like, no, I want more. And I, I didn't want Cliff to die either. Like I didn't want to see him die in there, but <sighs> yeah, no, it was really good. Really good movie. Not my number two or one. So two, I'm going to put, and I hesitated between these two movies, but I'm going to put uh, Pulp Fiction number two as well mm-hmm. for the same reasons as you, Mike. Um, I love it. Just the storytelling aspect of it, how it starts at the end. And then you, slowly get there and just each of the chapters are great in their own way like the bonnie situation just kills me mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the coffee no i love all the acting the characters story yeah no pulp fiction classic movie i think you need to see it more than once though to truly appreciate it yeah um yeah the the bruce willis scenes also i loved his whole plot like when he freaks out about losing his wife forgetting the watch they're like i told him one fucking thing to bring like, <laughs> just freaking out the car is gold <sighs> but yeah no pulp fiction number two for me so the number one yeah so like you said i, I really do have to watch pulp fiction again because it's not in my top three right but i, I guess this kind of amplifies how much of a a new F- tarantino fan i am but my number one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yay, let's go. Okay, like, all right. Three, two, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, big Cliff Booth guy. I, and that's maybe 50% of it, man. I loved this movie. I loved the way it was made. Um, like, it wasn't, it was a Tarantino movie, you could really tell, but it wasn't like, there was no clear plot line to it. The plot was very much a fairy tale, and you're following each character's lives but there's no end goal in mind right so you're kind of just it's like you're in their head right it's like if you compare that to Django, where you know he's gonna end up getting his girl or you you you, come on you kind of do like he's not gonna get all the way to the end and she's gonna die like Like, so much struggle in that movie tarantino does fucked up shit but like there are happy endings or in Glorious Bastards, where you know he's gonna kill Hitler, but that's that's just like you. Know I mean, you gonna... don't know he's well, gonna kill Hitler because I assume anything. Yeah, movies. come on, man. <laughs> like, like I legitimately thing. thought Cliff Booth was gonna die when the hippies oh, were in the house at the end. I thought so I was too. Sure dude. Was oh, yeah. Maybe that's why I liked it so much because maybe was this the first time that um, he alters something historically? Like you're no. expecting Sharon Tate to die, but she doesn't, right? Right. They, and it's as simple as they went into the wrong house. Yeah. I love that. Well, no, I no, saw no. them walking. I'm like, okay, they're going to go in there, kill Sharon Tate. Movie's going to end somehow. They go into the wrong house. I'm like, oh, damn. Something's up. And then Cliff, my, they, my they guy target. goes off. They target Rick Dalton, though. Hmm? They target him. Yeah. Cause, no, 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 don't they change oh, no, no. targets midway they change, through? They change targets midway through, and then they go to kill Rick Dalton. Because he goes, I love that, when he went out with his margarita. Yeah. And I, I was telling Ted, that was another scene where I was just tense as yeah. hell. Yeah. And I was like, they're going to fucking shoot him from the... Yeah. No, they target and, him because they were in the wrong house. They literally had the wrong address. No, no they, were, they were going up to the gate, they and, were, and he distracts him with his margarita. And So their, their car is so loud, right? Because it's a piece of shit. Their plan was to go up to Sharon Tate's house and kill everybody inside. But they still ended up going into the wrong house. No, no, no. So then Rick Dalton comes out because they're like trying to like, like, but get themselves like ready, hyped up to go kill Sharon Tate and shit. Yeah, he comes out and basically. And then Rick Dalton's like, yeah. he's all pissed off with his margarita and then they back away. And then when they're having that conversation at the bottom, they're like, let's go kill the guys that made us violent. And then Rick Dalton, who was known for his violent yeah. show, then they go target Rick Dalton. They're like, oh, I want to go kill him. By accident. 
Number one movie guy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Don't undermine <laughs> me. <laughs> I, I, but, uh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, I was just going to say, I love the the whole experience when we went to go see it. You know what else kind of made it? We were walking out, and it was, oh, yeah. it was <laughs> us three, and... Uh, <laughs> Some girl comes up to us, and your cousin's like, I, I don't get it, because we talked about this already. He didn't know the historical context, right? Yeah. So we're kind of standing in a circle. He's like, well, what was this about? Like, I don't know what it's about. Like, who is who are these people? And some girl just comes up, walks into her, her circle. She's like, they carved Sharon Tate's face, and they cut out her baby, and she just left, and that's all she said. She literally walked away, and we're like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and it was like, it was like, whoa. And your cousin looked shook. After that, I'm like, who is yeah. this chick? <laughs> She's definitely a Manson stand. <laughs> Anyways, um, I love. I don't know. I, I loved everything about. <laughs> I loved everything about that movie because it was so ambiguous, and and you're following these characters' lives as a as their own plot, right? Right. There was no clear plot. And that's why Hamid was really pissed. He's like, there was no plot. Like, I'm like, but there really was. Mm. It was each character's life. You, it and, it, a... and it all happened in the span of two days. Well, in the movie. with the time jump. Well, the yeah, time, yeah. It was two days and then a big time jump. Yeah. 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 Uh, another thing, the entirety of Sharon Tate's story uh, in the beginning is all a misdirection. Right? Because they, they show her like being happy. She went to go see her own movie. And people are laughing. And she's having a great time. Right? And then, then you show her like being really sweet to everybody, and you're like, okay, but we know something terrible is gonna happen mm. to her. It was all a misdirection. Yeah, and that's part of the build up too. Like you're expecting something to happen to yeah, her. The like, symphony's coming. Like, that's why they're making her so happy yeah. is because something terrible is gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. I also love the uh, like the acid cigarette. Mm. Yeah. In, in the film, because yeah. it it, it kind of symbolizes how everything at the end um, wasn't true his like it was on acid. it wasn't fact right right he was, he was on acid it right. was fiction they didn't they should have killed sharon but they didn't and that whole thing was he was on the acid cigarette you know right uh, i don't know if i'm taking that a no no, no it's an interpretation reality yeah. yeah right no for sure it's a good uh, i just like the acid cigarette because it like it was the same cliff with the same kind of but it, it's the same cliff but he loses that intensity he's like goofy mm-hmm. he's goofy when he's killing he's like these people playing people. with the with the uh, can opener, oh, that I actually had me on edge too. Man. I thought he was dopey, and he's like gonna get murdered again. <laughs> I was like, he has no I, idea of what's I happening. Died when he when Tex was talking to him, like, oh, you, I know you. What's your name again? I am the devil or something. <laughs> no, no, it was something dumber than that. <laughs> Rex. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. It, I don't know. And um, again, fifty percent of why I love this movie so much was just solely off of Cliff Booth. I don't know. This is kind of weird. He was much yeah. better. Oh, I am obsessed with I think, Cliff Booth. I think Leo's character was great too, but Cliff was just much cooler, and mm. you didn't really like. We've already been over this there, but you don't really know what he's in it for. Like, what is he thinking? What's going to happen to him? There's a lot more intrigue around his character than Rick. It was most like, is he going to figure out his acting kind of thing? You know, I never realized Brad Pitt was that much older than Leonardo DiCaprio. How much? Like, what's the age difference? Uh, I think it's like ten years. Whoa, and okay. it, and Leo looks so much older. He looks so much more aged. He does. They look man. like they were the same age. At, at no, most, I, I would man. even say Cliff looked older than Leo. Really? To be honest. Yeah, I, I thought so. Okay. I don't know. I really liked Rick Dalton. Um, no, he was great. Yeah, sure. I really liked the rooting for him when he got like the acting right, and the, and then. Yeah. 
I was the, fired the, up. Oh, yeah, the little girl cry. gave yeah. her approval, and then he yeah. just starts well, crying. Yeah, that was great. Oh, it's funny that you... I forgot about this, too, because, like, they go through the whole thing where he, he like, messes up the sequence, yeah. right, like, in the scene, times, and yeah. he can't remember his lines, and that's, again, the Hollywood fairy tale where it's just suddenly he gets it, right? Mm-hmm. And the day's good. I, I truly think it's all of your number ones, but you just, like, so... <laughs> yeah. uh, it's definitely fresh in our minds. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, that's, the, that's my number one. We'll see when it hits Netflix and we watch it three, four times. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mike. I think you know where, uh, where, what I'm going to say, but it's got to be Kill Bill for me. I, yeah. I love Kill Bill to death. I love the whole experience. Uh, and I was talking a lot about The Bride earlier, but every single character in that is really fleshed out. Uh, Bud is great. I Bill himself... That. Bill is like the whole movie builds up to like what's Bill gonna be like? Is he gonna is it gonna be like some really interesting? And I thought his monologue was pretty amazing too. I thought Bill was a really good character, and it's worth like the two movie wait. Like this is the only, again like the only Tarantino movie dedicated two movies to it. You know, mm-hmm. you can call it a four hour movie if you want to, but uh, it's just it's got incredible world building, a lot of like funny rhyming other than like Kill Bill. There's like fuck buck right and like all that kind of stuff too and yeah that, uh, that buck is the uh, greasiest grimiest character oh my, that scene really like i dropped my jaw on that scene because it i i'm like damn like and, and it really hits you like this shit probably actually happens across like in hospitals and shit. yeah man and tarantino does that to you he brings these touchy yeah. subjects and he puts it to life Okay. Like the Mandingo fighting. That's also another one that I can't (laughs) really watch. Yeah, it's tough. Other thing that's kind of uh, cool, too, if you notice, like, you only ever see the girls fighting. Whenever, like, she's going to fight a dude, it's something else happens, you know? Like, she kind of just stops Bill right away, or she, Bud, he gets bit by the snake, but the snake's also Black Mamba, which is her code name, so... Well, what about the leader of the Crazy 88? She fights him. Yeah, he's the only uh, male fighter. hated him. He, he wouldn't great. fucking die. That's why I loved him, because he wouldn't die. Yeah, but then even um, Oren, yeah? she's supposed to be this like, badass, but she killed her so quick. Oh. Much, well. And then uh, one of the overtop parts, too, just like, because you, you hate Elle all the way through the the girl rival, eye right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. patch yeah. girl, and um, when she just plops out her other eye and squishes it under her feet, like, just another oh, great man. moment, too. Yeah. I love uh, those movies. They, they're, like... Supreme in my mind. <laughs> I know I said we'll treat it as one movie, but if the, if you had to choose between one and two, which one were you leaning towards? Volume two. Yeah, for sure. I, I've thought a lot about it, and uh, volume one's iconic, but volume two just has some of the great monologues. Like Haas, you said that, and I love the setting. I love the whole thing about it. I don't know. Michael Madsen, too. Yeah. Michael I, Madsen is... Is he only a Tarantino actor? I no, I, he didn't actually look that up before this. He's been in eighty four movies. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? just super under the radar. But no, we've only seen him probably in Tarantino I've only movies. Only ever seen him in Tarantino. Yeah. Movies. Is he in like yeah. From Dusk Till Dawn? Uh, no, he's not. Uh, but Harvey <laughs> Keitel is. There you go. I uh, oh, I brought yeah. this up to all of you guys. Actually, the, the rumor about uh, Kill Bill three. Actually, I was gonna bring that up. Oh later, yeah? But yeah, yeah, with the. Uh, Zendaya is gonna play Nikki, trying to like, because she witnessed her mom's death. I mean, right, one, yeah. right. It's a cool idea. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. You never know. 
Uh, I mean, you guys all say he's gonna stop at ten. Anyways, he yeah. well, he said I, he was gonna stop at eight originally. I, yeah, but I swear to God, he said eight. Oh yeah, the day, yeah. I, I'd read or it, seen it, in interviews that he said he wants to do ten movies. And yeah, that's it. It could be recent ones because I, I remember him saying, "Hateful Eight's my last." I remember. Yeah, but him here's saying the thing: that. he said he was gonna do Star Trek, right? Yeah, and that's is what he, people are saying is the next movie. Is that gonna be his last movie? But he's gonna do a Star Trek, though. then that's it. Yeah. All right, boys. We'll finish the number one. Right, that's right, the right. next topic. Right, so. Right, right. Um, Kill Bill 2 Nice yeah. Boss Alright my favorite movie uh, I'm gonna say Django Unchained hey. Is my number one For uh, Tarantino uh, Jamie Foxx Leonardo DiCaprio Samuel L. Jackson Christoph Waltz Incredible All four of them It's a sick lineup It's a yeah, sick it lineup dude. All star lineup for yeah. sure And uh, the entire plot Is just Great You see Django's Progression And like, yeah, he becomes sick right away, but that's kind of a part of it. Like, Christoph Waltz, King Schultz, uh, he kind of realizes, like, damn, this kid's a natural, mm-hmm. right? And um, it's brutal, too. Like, it's it, there, there's the funny scenes, but Jang Wen Ching had a real, like, brutal feel to it. It felt way more brutal than Hateful Eight or Pulp Fiction or any of it. Because, like, when they showed violence in Django, it was like... Re- they showed like real brutal this, stuff like, like yeah, dude getting too, yeah right? I, I remember yeah. that one scene too where they put her in the burn box oh was it? yeah that That's was brutal. fucked yeah. it's um i don't know if there's a lot of torture in any other pulp fiction movie there's there's some in uh pulp fiction i meant uh tarantino movies there's some in pulp fiction there's some in reservoir dogs reservoir, yeah. but the yeah. torture in Django was insane dude and there was a lot of it because mm-hmm. it's it's got that like they want to do that uh revisual <laughs> romanticization I, no that's not the word either Histori- they want to like yeah, revisionism yeah revisionism yeah. and like bring back you know claim that past but it is based on like real kind of horrible things happened right yeah mm-hmm. that's why it has that that quality yeah. to it i don't like it because of the horrible torture things that happen no but it does lead up to this great big justice yeah. at the end and that's the payoff that's why Django's number one it is yeah so many movies, like all these movies to me could be like number one, I think. Yeah. The, Each one that you tough, guys have chosen. It is a, tough. Like I don't even have Inglorious Basses in there. No. I love that movie so much. Mm-hmm. Um, me, number one would be Reservoir Dogs. It's the one I've seen the most. It's the shortest one. Straightforward. Even though it still is distinct style, the movie begins with the end. Actually, first of all, the movie begins with the seemingly useless scene. The they're, All the guys who are part of the heist are around the coffee table in the coffee house just talking about seemingly a random conversation. And I'm not going to try to pass this off as my own analysis. I've read this from YouTube comments, but that scene foreshadows the whole movie, which is wild. So you get to see each character's personal traits and how they're going to act in the movie. So Mr. Orange, first of all, Mr. Pink doesn't want to tip. He's the only guy who makes it out alive because he's only looking out for himself. Yeah. Mr. Orange, when Joe asks who didn't tip, yeah. instantly rats him out. Mm-hmm. Mr. White is the guy who sticks up for the waitresses, not knowing them, but just thinking that it's the right thing to do that you should tip. Mr. Blonde, he gets uh, a. <laughs> Joe tells him to shoot Mr. White because he took his book. Oh. He's obviously kidding, but still, he had psychopathic and violent tendencies. Mr. Brown is just talking about some random shit. I don't know if you remember. He's talking about... Mr. Brown sounds like Mr. Shit. (laughs) Mr. Blue is just irrelevant. Um, Don't see him in the whole... In the entire movie. Is that Tarantino uh, Blue? No, Tarantino's Brown. Tarantino's Brown. Brown. Yeah. Sounds a lot like Mr. Shit. He is so funny because like... He, he's in the beginning, and then mm. when they're all like huddled together, like, where's Mr. Brown? It's like he died. (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, that's about it, really. And there's nice guy Eddie, too. So and to get into each character, I love... I think Ensemble Cast is one of my favorites because all the characters in there are so good. Nice guy Eddie. Yeah. Um, Sean... P- Chris Penn. I haven't seen him in anything else, but he was amazing in that movie. Uh, Michael Madsen, Steve Buscemi, Harvey Cattell, even uh, Joe. I forget the actor's name there, but I don't know. And um, Roth. Tim Roth. Yeah. Just, I don't know. It's a pretty simple story. The interactions are all funny. There's tension too. You don't really know what's going to happen. The torture scene is funny and that goes into like Tarantino's use of violence. It's over the top. Like when he's cutting his ear, it's brutal, but it's kind of funny just because he's still charismatic about it and like even when he's pitching gasoline in the cop's face, it's just the camera angles and the music playing his dancing just makes it funny. I, I just I love Reservoir Dogs. I, uh, oh, sorry, Hoss. I, I didn't realize, like, I forgot about that one, too. And, like, it can be number one as well. It's like you said, you can place any of these anywhere. Uh, what I love about Reservoir Dogs is, like, it's almost as pure as film when you think about it because it's pure Tarantino. There's no influence from, like... Mm-hmm. Any other movie, a lot of the movies, like even Kill Bill, I love it, takes so much from old, like, Kung Fu movies, Kung Fu and, movies and other yeah. stuff and reuses soundtracks of older movies, but, like, that one is just straight up his. Yeah, well, it's his first first movie, Independent, yeah. pretty sure. And, um, yeah, like I said, it was there's his style, too. The movie starts at the end, and then you slowly, you don't even see the heist, which I love also. Mm-hmm. You just see them having to deal with what just transpired and each character's involvement in it. And as, as characters get inserted in there, it just becomes more interesting. And all the character relationships are great. I find. Yeah. I I did love that. The whole movie was just like the aftermath. Yeah. And then you get a few sort of flashbacks and I'm glad he did that. If it was just the aftermath, I think we'd be missing a little too much. But then with the flashbacks that you see, like, oh, Mr. White's actually, like, lethal, bro. He's mowing down cops like crazy. You see what happens to Mr. Brown. Like, they're not lying. He's actually dead. Yeah. Um, and then you see how Mr. Orange gets hurt and they could have left all that ambiguous and it would have still been a good movie, but I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he shows you how Mr. Sh- Mr. Orange got hurt. Well, a lot of it too, is you got to like figure out which character's honest, right? And you're right. taking uh, someone's word over another on what actually mm-hmm. happened in the event itself that we don't mm-hmm. see the heist, right? Like, is this guy actually crazy? Is he not? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he was crazy. He was crazy. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. really crazy. <laughs> So yeah, I know it's solid uh, top three. I guess you got to rewatch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and put it in there for me. <laughs> <laughs> Consistency purposes. But yeah, like we were getting into there, Kill Bill 3. So my next question was, there have been a lot of speculated or rumored what is going to be the Tarant- Tarantino's next movie. And a lot of people have speculated that Kill Bill 3, there have been the Vega Brothers spinoff. I don't know if you've heard about yeah. this. So Vic Vega and Vincent Vega, which are... Mr. Blonde and Vince in Pulp Fiction. So, um, actor's name Travolta. Travolta they're yeah. brothers, like the two of them. In in, in like, the Tarantino cinematic yeah. universe, they're brothers. Yeah. So that's been a rumored project, the Vega Brothers spinoff. But it would have to be a prequel because they're both dead. So it would have to be recast at actors. So my next question is, yeah, which one would you like to see the most out of the rumored one? So there's the Star Trek one. There's Kill Bill three. Uh, Vega Brothers, Django 2 has also been rumored. I don't think it's going to happen, but still. Or other, if you've heard something else. Or something you could come up with off the top right now. I heard um, I heard that he's going to make a From Dust Till Dawn TV show. Okay. Oh, no, yeah. that's... There is a... His own? Oh, wait. He's he's credited for it. <laughs> there is one already out there. Oh, damn. On Netflix. Okay, all right. So scratch that. Never mind. Um, that's already <laughs> been made. So out of my options. All right. Um, can do a reverse order here. 
Oh, sure. Um, Out of those ones. Or I'd, if you have something else to present um, to the table. I'd love to see Kill Bill Volume 3. Okay. But I don't want to see Zendaya play Nikki or whatever and then go after Why? the bride. Why? It'd be a cool uh, change of pace. Like We've seen... What would uh, the bride do in this Kill Bill 3? She's raising her daughter. I guess, I guess her, daughter, her, her daughter would be an adult. She'd be yeah. an adult... Maybe there's, maybe, there's a, maybe there's a way you could play it out. Like Zendaya there's kills so her daughter do or something it. like that. Yeah. I don't think there's that much. I feel like the bride is a pretty, like they put a bow on it at the end. It's like she kills Bill, yeah. she gets her kid and like that's the only loose end. And if you really wanted to build a whole story out of the loose end, what characters are you going to use? They, she killed everybody. You just have to introduce a whole new cast of So of my question is though, kids. why are you choosing Kill Bill 3 then as your ideal spinoff? I, Kill Bill no three. Yeah, it has to be Kill Bill three. Kill Bill three, but not the Zendaya story. Not Nikki. You do um, a new set of assassins, but Beatrice Kiddo is like I don't know, top dog or something. But you don't do Zendaya. You don't do Nikki. You do um, I don't know. Maybe focus it on Japan or something. I'd like to see it because I love that universe. Yeah. Just not Nikki. Oh, I'm so skeptical of that, man. Because well, you you would certainly couldn't call it Kill Bill Volume Three. I didn't realize I was shitting on my own thing right there. But yeah, <laughs> I'm afraid that they'd go back and like, even though it's Tarantino, like do some like he'd do some like Godfather One, then Two, and then Three kind of shit. Like I don't want to see that. You know what I mean? Right. But um, I don't think he's gonna do Kill Bill Three. It's just yeah. been a rumor for yeah. a long time. Oh yeah, certainly for the purpose of this question, I I'd actually. <laughs> I'm not even like a huge fan of this series, but um. I would want to see a Star Trek movie okay. if he does it. That would like it just piqued my interest. Like I wonder what a Tarantino Star Trek would be like. Who would Samuel L. Jackson play? <laughs> I don't know. The guy with the many foreheads. I don't. I, don't know, I also I, don't know enough about Star I, Trek. I don't, I don't know, know a lot. I know there's a guy with a lot of foreheads. Yeah. And I, I really don't know much about Star Trek, but I just think it's an interesting idea. Like a Tarantino Star Trek does sound cool. And it could yeah. be like its own thing, so Star Trek fans can be like, "Well, he didn't ruin anything because if it's if it's contained enough, you know." I mean, I guess so. I haven't seen the newest Star Trek, so I don't even know what they're doing with it. Apparently, they're all right. Okay. So. Wow. Okay. Cool. Okay. Tarantino in space would be cool. <laughs> um, you mentioned Django two. I I don't think I'd want to see that. I think Django one is is perfect how it is. Um, I'm gonna go with Kill Bill three with the Zendaya. With yeah. Zendaya. Because even in it. even in Kill Bill one, when she kills the lady, what's her name again? Uh, forget her. Name. Or whatever. But she's the first the one. The mom. mom. Oh, uh... <laughs> see, we're already. You've already <laughs> cast. Happening. You've already casted her. Oh my. She's God, the first one that dies. Yeah, she she's... kills her, and, she, and Nikki walks in and sees it, and yeah, she literally yeah, yeah. tells her, like, "If you get older and you have beef with me, come." That's yeah. why it's been a rumor, though. Yeah. And but no, but it like, would be a great movie. Thing. I thought it's that was. Idea. I thought that was just some cold-blooded shit that she would say after she killed somebody, right? That's it. What's her name though? <laughs> um, I think she was Cottonmouth. She was Cottonmouth. <laughs> what? She yeah. was. They're they're all well, named after snakes. Cause she was. They're all named after snakes, and I think she was Cottonmouth. I don't think so. No, I think you she is. Know, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think like, like it might have been a play on that word. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, she actually yeah. is. Yeah. Uh. Uh, who cares about her name? Yeah, Anyways, yeah, yeah. Okay, the whole yeah. Nikki Zendaya thing, I think, would be a dope movie, like because. Um, Beatrice's kid would be older. Mm-hmm. Like Eric said, maybe Nikki kills her kid and then she, 
and then the bride comes out of like her slumber her, her slumber you know <laughs> and it's like um, a chase man you could put it in japan so you, you copperhead you, you switch copperhead copperhead which yeah. one's oh, cotton okay. mouth None of them, probably. But is Cottonmouth not a thing? I don't think that's Cotton not. A... I think that's a character in Luke Cage. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay, man! Well, no, there is one. Oren Ishi is a is a co- Oren Cottonmouth. Cotton okay, okay. Cotton yeah. Cotton yeah. Yeah. She's right. Okay, yeah. all right. Not that bad then. Okay. One of them. <laughs> they don't say Cottonmouth much in the movie. They call her Oren all the way through. Yeah, so I, I kind of forgot about it. As dead as Oren. Right, what about you, Eric? Me, I would go Vega Brothers. It would have really? to be a prequel, though, and the char- the actors would have to be chosen carefully. If they could do uh, Michael Madsen and uh, Travolta, it would be great. But They look too old. Well, no, nah, no, it, it's impossible. It's not happening. But I'd, I'd like to see Vega Brothers because, like I said, Mr. Blonde, love his character. Vince was pretty solid, too. I don't know what the story would be. It would just be uh, maybe them in Amsterdam or something. or. Yeah. Some two stories going on simultaneously, like Vic in prison because he's in. He just came out of prison in Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. and I think during that time Vincent was in Amsterdam. So I don't know what the storyline would be there, but you, you know what I feel like it would actually kind of play out like if it was going to happen. Uh, none of you have seen From Dust Till Dawn, right? No, well, I have. Oh, I I don't know if you want me to spoil this movie. Probably not going to watch it. But... Yeah, it's it's not great, but it's uh, not even good to be honest. You know, but the first half of it is. The first it's half like a, of it. Is it not like a low-budget action horror movie kind it of It is. Okay, yeah, so okay. then you already know. So basically, there's these two guys, and they're like brothers, and he's got the psychotic brother and the mm. normal criminal brother, and that's what I'm kind of thinking okay. he would write, like if he had a Vega Brothers movie, except... I was thinking and, yeah. and From Dust Till Dawn, the movie gets hijacked by this. Everyone ends up being vampires at some point, and then they have mm. to survive a vampire horror movie, and yeah. But, like, if you had that first half of that movie there, it'd probably be what a Vega Brothers movie would be like, is what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah, no, I think it'd be cool to see anyways. Um, Michael Madsen in Reservoir Dogs kind of reminds me of Vince Vaughn, too. Like, same, same, <laughs> yeah, same yeah. look. They kind of look yeah, like... Yeah. And um, <clears throat> Nice Guy Eddie reminds me of Jonah Hill as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, you recast uh, Vince Yo, Vaughn and do it? It just might happen. Yeah, but who would play uh, Travolta's character, though? Who would you even... Travolta. Who looks like Travolta? I don't know anyone who looks like Travolta. Travolta's very... Nah. He's very unique. Unique, yeah. Jay Leno? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Again, awesome. I don't know. Like Casting younger people to play these actors, these characters, sorry, could really ruin the characters themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, with, I'm not a huge Star Wars guy, but everyone mm-hmm. said... Um, uh, Han, Solo. Han Solo was such a shitty movie. Yeah, but then you have like the new Spider-Man and all the actors. They're all young kids and all of them are great. Yeah, but mm. it's completely different because Spider-Man's already a stat. It's based on like 70 plus years of like you well, know, comic book lore. It's only Star Wars movies. Well, and I, I guess so. And but it I, started with Harrison Ford. So you know what he's like based on that actor, right? The rest, there's so many different interpretations of Peter Parker. It's a lot more open, I think. Yeah, and I think there's nowhere to go but up from Andrew Garfield. So. Yeah. Like, honestly, honestly I, I don't agree with you at all. You I think Andrew Garfield was... I love Andrew Garfield. He's a good actor. actor. I just didn't like him yeah. as Spider-Man. I, myself, I, I did like him as Spider-Man. Spider-Man shot on him. Yeah. His Spider-Man movies were not good, dude. Him as an actor, him playing Peter Parker was 
fine, but bro, they were bad. Jamie Foxx's Electro was like the most confusing shit in the world. Like, what was he even after? Like, what was he doing? I don't know. I haven't seen the second one. So right, right. Maybe, oh, maybe okay. he was solid. In the I don't second even one, remember but... the first one. We're getting off topic here. a little bit. Yeah. So I had one actually listener question. Oh. Was we kind of listed a few of our scenes that we like a lot, but the question was from Ezra. Shout out, my hey. pre- previous guest on the podcast, Rhea, straight from Finland. What are some of your favorite Tarantino scenes themselves? Maybe highlighted by dialogue, just the suspense in the scene, cinematography. Uh, I'll, I'll go. If you had to choose one off the top. If I choose one off the top in Glorious Bastards opening scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys said, too. when I, I watched that movie with, with <clears throat> Mike and Haas for the first time, and they told me, pay attention to the scene. And I really did, and it was like, okay, that's a fucking opening scene. Uh, that's the one off the top it's like of my head. It's like a 20 minute scene yeah, too. Yeah, that's why it's great. And the whole time, like you know something's going to happen too. It's not build, leading up to nothing yeah. too. All the questions he's asking about like, are you harboring Jews? And uh, you know, it's a crazy intro for sure. Sets the tone for the movie. Mm. Um, pick a top pick a top scene. Oh, and it's so hard to do. It's tough. Yeah, whoever's got one next. Okay. Cut some of I'm also I'm also gonna pick Inglorious Bastards, uh, the bar scene. Yeah. Uh, it oh involves. Yeah, I forgot it involves yeah. none of the main characters until the end. Until Brad Pitt shows up at the very very end, right? Mm-hmm. It involves none of the main characters, but it's just as intense when they're playing the card game, and then you have the SS guy, and he's just like foiling their plan. But he doesn't understand how lethal they all are, uh, and so it like it flips like okay they're actually getting away with it and then like no they're not he's been wise to them the entire time, and like, if you really pay attention to that scene, it's just like there's the subtle tells where like the German officer like knows because he puts his hand up the wrong way right because mm-hmm. Germans don't put their hands up a certain so. way or like when they're all just having a good time and you look at the other table and they're all laughing and having a great time but right next to them is this super intense moment. And then it could explode at any moment. It just it's just waiting to just erupt, and then it does. <laughs> uh, I would say just because it's still like very fresh in my head, and it's really hard to do this. Pick a favorite scene. Uh, Cliff going to the range, and uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, because it's right before when his when you know he's an established badass and that he's pretty much going to survive any situation you throw at him. You don't know what the movie is yet. And it's his first, like, really uncomfortable setting. Mm -hmm. And he goes, we know as the audience what the Manson family is and how kind of deranged they are. Mm -hmm. And he wants to go see his friend. Oh, is he still in the house? No, we don't want you to see him. And uh, that entire scene was great. It it had me literally holding my breath for, it felt like 10 minutes. And uh, I was like, is is he going to die right here? That was just kind of crazy. Because he could have. Eh? He could have, yeah. I didn't know what movie it was going to be yet. And uh, it was just a really great scene all the way through. Mm-hmm. Be my pick. It's a good one. Um, me, it would have been a glorious opening scene, too. I think that's my favorite one all time. I'm going to go with the Reservoir Dogs, the final scene, like the Mexican standoff. I think it's a great scene. Um, the acting, especially by Chris Penn, when he's like pleading with um, Mr. White to not shoot his father and just to be rational and 
deal with things through the art of conversation. It's just a very intense scene. You get all the... Yeah, I just think it's a really good scene. Very good tension. The boiling point of the movie. They all die except for my boy, Mr. Pink, gets out. <laughs> yeah, but no, I would I would have chosen the Inglourious Bastards opening scene. There's so many to choose from, though, off the top. Is it confirmed that Mr. Pink gets out, though? No, it's not. Some people think he gets shot right away because the cops are there, but the cops, yeah. you don't yeah. see him get shot, so I like to think he got away. <laughs> just to I go just to go with my shit. foreshadowing <laughs> scene. But yeah, he's great in that movie. And yeah. the kind of funny thing, too, is that in Pulp Fiction, he's a waiter as well. Like in his cameo. I don't know if you knew yeah. that there, the diner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's about that's it I have for questions. There, if you guys have that's, a, that's a good one. The Mexican standoff. Um, he does... This okay, that scene does kind of confuse me. At one part though, does Harvey Keitel like he shoot shoots them both? Twice, yeah. If you slow yeah, it down, it, I've seen on YouTube. You have to slow it down. He shoots Joe and then nice guy. It's yeah. very right fast. I know. Me too. The first time I saw it, there's kind of that element of mystery too. Yeah. But they established how good Mr. White was exactly. before because right. him against two cops, he took care of him no problem. Yeah. What I thought for a long time was that Steve Buscemi or Mr. Pink me shot too. them. From yeah, that's what I thought thing. too. Yeah. The first time I saw it, yeah. Mm. But then I know I watch like YouTube clips and you see slow. They tell you slow down. You can see he shoots them both. But no, at first glance you'd assume that Mr. Pink shot one. Yeah. Of them. Mm. But yeah, kind of felt bad for. Uh, I don't know. I was rooting for a nice guy Eddie in that situation oh, yeah. and Joe because they <laughs> fuck Mr. Orange. The guy's a scumbag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, it's weird because I didn't I didn't hate Mr. Orange right, like. I, I do. You yeah, actually yeah. do? Not he, a fan. Yeah. He, I, I thought he, he was um, sleazy. He isn't though. He's he's obviously he's an under, undercover cop, but he's not sleazy in that um he's the only character that's not racist. They established that. Right, yeah. He's the only character that's There's not some racist. Questionable uh, choice of words in those some of those scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh and he's yeah. he's the, like he actually is like working towards something like a goal. He wants to put all these guys. All the characters are bad guys. Like, realistically, right? we should be going for Mr. Orange, yeah. but we're not. Well, we aren't, anyways. Yeah. yeah. And, and you you think Mr. Orange is a scumbag until they establish the like the flashback scene where he's working with his like handler, and then he has to figure out the story, and then learn how to like interact with these guys. And it gives Mr. Orange that depth, I, I just which think... makes him oh, a yeah, go pretty good character. And well, I think you maybe th- you shouldn't you shouldn't root for him, or. Whoever you root for is whoever you root for, but Mr. Orange is like kind of the objectively good guy. No, despite, not objectively. Despite, he is the good guy. Despite being sure. a snake, yeah, he's the good guy, right? He is really self-interested though, and he is really quick to kill that girl who shoots him immediately. And I don't think he thinks about her at all. He was pretty contemptful that he was shot. Yeah, and, and yeah. He does not care that he killed an innocent at really any point, and he lets the cop gets tortured before he decides to do shoot him anyways like he there are some very self-interest uh actions of him throughout the movie if he let the cop get tortured though and didn't shoot mr blonde at all he would have been in the clear yeah but he oh well he wouldn't have been in the clear like totally because the the big boss still suspected him Mm -hmm. but if he doesn't shoot mr blonde because you're saying he's selfish but he does kill mr blonde to save the cop he let it go for quite a while, probably to a point where uh, I, I just always copped him out. as him being could unconscious. Have been passed out yeah, though, I just said he was unconscious or something. That's what I would have assumed as well. But yeah, I guess we'll never know. That's the kind. Of, that's the thing that's great about Tarantino's movies that not everything is explained and that leads yeah. us to talk about it. You know, Debate. yeah, gave us uh, a great podcast. So I think yeah, <laughs> it's a good spot to wrap it up there, boys. Yeah. So uh, thanks a lot for joining me. 
I'm going to have to get on Tales from the 96 Camry one of these days. So, yeah, check out these guys' podcast. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me. Any parting words? Thanks for having us. Uh, honestly, this I don't even know how long this went, but it was it was great from the beginning to the end. Uh, hopefully, we can be back. Yeah, for sure, down the road. Going to have to leave them wanting more and then bring you guys back. So, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. First time on here. All right. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us, man. For sure. That was a joy. So, thanks, everyone, for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. And, yeah, peace.